0: <laughs> it would be a Walsh fan, eh? <laughs> I'm
1: Everybody, and welcome back to the Wolves Fancast YouTube channel. We've got another special episode for you today. Uh, I'm glad to be joined by ESPN's uh, David Cartledge. Uh, you may also know him from the Football Rambles on the Continent shows as well. David, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Nice to join you.
1: Great. Um, we're obviously going to be talking about uh, Julian Lopetegui. We've we've done quite a bit on him already in terms of his, his recent work uh, down at Sevilla, but we're going to delve a little bit deeper into his beginnings uh, as a manager, um, starting first of all with his time at Spain under-21s. Um, David, in terms of um, the group of players that he had to work with there, um, I've listed a few names here a hell of a lot of talent who have gone on to do great things with their careers. Um, so no surprise really for them to have won the Under-21s tournament at that time or do you think it was a lot to do with uh, the good work of Ulen himself?
0: Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, there was an incredible amount of talent there. Um, but other managers have had a lot of talent as well with Spain's uh, youth ranks and and not managed to not do anything with it or haven't played as well. I'd probably say that Lopetegui, the way that he got together, the Spain under-19s, the and then he got promoted to the under-21s, um, it was exceptional work. He, uh, he didn't just rely upon having brilliant individual talent. He created a very clear system there. He created a very clear base. Um, he worked very well with uh, the, the full national team as well in terms of feeding back reports and such, and, and just basically creating that pipeline from when you come into the Spanish youth system to to get to the full team. Many of the players that he worked with did go on to to not only just play, but also win things with the main Spain team.
1: Yeah, obviously um, his career recently has been kind of um, based around maybe a bit more of a conservative approach, uh, especially at Sevilla probably. With a, a group that talented, do you think he can kind of transfer his managerial skills to teams that dominate the ball, teams that are, are ins- insistent on winning, you know, f- from, from the first minute of a game?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you've gradually seen his style, um, I think, develop. I think I think you understood with Spain under 19 and 21, he so had more um, expressive, technical players and also of a high higher quality when you compare it to everything else that we faced at that level. Um, so I think you've kind of seen him become more of a defensive coach um, as time has progressed. And and look, international football is completely different to club football. You have to approach it in a, an entirely different way. Um, and I think in his last job with Sevilla before he came to Wolves, I think we'd seen, I'd probably, you know, you wouldn't find anybody who disagree by saying that it was very much a defensive system that he ran and quite far removed from what he had when he was with Spain in the 19s okay. and 21s.
1: Okay, that paved the way of course for uh, a first step into club management um a first proper step anyway he had uh, i think a, a spell at raya via previous to that um but um when he first came to the fore from a, a european football perspective was at porto uh down back in 2014 and um, now obviously the the remit for any porto manager is very much um titles 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 he wasn't quite as successful as that um second place finish back in 2014-15 many Wolves fans are are aware of his relationship with Ruben Neves giving him his debut back then but he also worked with Jose Sarr at that time as well um again working with some some excellent players uh, a couple listed there and managed to get to a Champions League quarter-final what did you make of his time back at Porto
0: yeah, I was going to say that was—I think that was the highlight, definitely. I mean, the second leg wasn't good, but they showed in the first leg the quality they could put across, and why I think Lopetegui is a very good tournament manager. Um, but I mean, overall it was a bit disappointing. But I think Porto weren't helped um, by being badly run at the time. I don't think, and also I thought there was a lack of guidance in it. In the capacity of a sporting director as well. I think Lopateki needs one of those. I think it's really important um, that he has somebody working alongside him to, to identify players. He's not a coach, I'd say, um, who, who's very strong in the transfer market. And, and that's fine. Look, not a lot of coaches are these days. You look at some of the best clubs right now. They've clearly got people um, working extra hard in the recruitment department while they've got an excellent coach because that isn't their strength. And that's fine. So, I think he did a lot of positive things at Porto. He brought some good young players through. Of course, you'll know one of them in Ruben Neves. He brought through as a 17-year-old. So Neves knows uh, him Lopetegui more than uh, I think better than anyone um, at the club, really. Um, and I think if you look at that, the players that he brought through and also what he had to work with, he, he did he did quite well. Um, and it was, it was. A, I think it was a difficult time. And, you know, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say it was a failure. It was just, it was just an okay time. And for a first step into management as well, it wasn't particularly bad at all.
1: So, I mean, just in terms of obviously Portugal as a league, at the time were Benfica a particularly strong team as well. Um, obviously, they, they're the two real top teams. Yeah, I think
0: I, Benfica and Sporting were stronger at the time. Were strong at the time, but I think it's largely stemmed from the fact. Look, the, the Portuguese clubs are always. Um, I think the, the success that they can achieve and what they can amount to is very much based upon how they sell and then replace as well. Portuguese teams are always selling them. That's That's a fact. And they have to replace sensibly. I think Lopetegui arrived in Porto at a time when they weren't buying well, when they weren't replacing well, where players were leaving still, but they they just weren't getting the same quality. And I think that really hurt Lopetegui at the time. For sure,
1: for sure. Um, his next step was uh, was back into international management. Um And after Vicente Del Bosque uh, retired um, following the 2016 Euros, um, very much kind of a a bit of a, almost like a a Southgate-type appointment, having been 21's manager, not necessarily had the best of times at Porto, but was this almost like the the Spanish FA promoting from within at that point?
0: Yeah, and like I said previously, he'd done such incredible work and by that time that he had arrived um with the main team, a lot of those players that he 'd worked with for several years were hitting the main team, so it just made sense and uh, I think a lot of the players responded to it really well and Obviously, everyone knows the manner of the departure it was just it was pure madness on the eve of a World Cup um with him you know accepting the real Madrid job um, It apparently not meant to get out until after the world Cup, and it turns out that he ended up getting sacked because he'd taken that job because the Spanish FA felt they'd been undermined Um, and I think they were in a great place they were really really well with Lopetegui and I think they would have gone far in the tournament as well um, because they'd shown enough progress under him he'd done a very good job with Spain the players again had responded to him really really well young players especially always respond well to him I think Um, so that that was a disappointment that we didn't get to see him uh, at a full tournament really.
1: I mean, you saw there, like I say, he was presiding over a qualification campaign. I think sometimes uh, the European giants can get a bit of an easy ride um, over the course of those qualifications. But would you still, would you discredit him in any way in that regard? Or or do you think it was still really good work?
0: Absolutely not. I think, look, it was trying times. I think it was, look, it was, you know, it was an excellent qualifying campaign. Um, and there was signs of progress there with the team as well in terms of you know Spain always have a problem I think um, of playing a lot of possession football and then breaking teams down and it felt as though he was kind of starting to you know hit through that and there were breakthroughs coming um, and and like I say I I would have expected that had a really good tournament and but then everything unfolded like it did in a so soap opera manner really
1: yeah yeah and um, obviously you mentioned there of uh, Diego Costa's time with with Lopetegui, Um, he's not quite the player that that he used to be, but he was very much kind of uh, the number nine that that he he turned to at that point, would you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. They tried a few different things and and Costa seemed to fit the best. Um, You know, he was performing very, very well in Europe at the time, um, and I think it made sense for him to come in. But I think ultimately Costa had kind of paid um, for how he'd played at Atleti for so many years. He was a bit, a bit broken down by then. I think his body was just completely, um, you, you know, hindered by that. He'd, he'd, he'd given it all for so many years. And he had that incredible season at Chelsea as well. Absolutely incredible. Um, and then he went back to Atleti, but he just wasn't the same then. Um, and I think that's been, it's it's been sad to see, but ultimately I think it, it is that. And I, I could see Wolves definitely still trying to identify a striker um, in the in the January window.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll kind of come on to that a little bit later. Um, interestingly, but obviously the fallout from from the the sacking and and the news of him taking on the uh, Real Madrid job, most people would obviously <laughs> see that as a as too good to turn down. But reputationally, at that point in his career, how low was he held in terms of his regard within the country, um, would you say? Um, I mean, when he took the job, it was because of the
0: circumstances of the Spain fallout. It was it was seen as really, really disappointing. Um, I think, you know, and his reputation really took a hit for that and how he would kind of stabbed Spain in the back. Um, and then at Real Madrid, it never worked out. The, the progress was slow. I think he was largely hindered by that. I think there was a lot of pressure to have on him after the whole fallout of everything. Um, But ultimately, he tried to change Real Madrid from being this direct counter-attacking beast to a more possession football-orientated side um, who would look to grind teams down. Um, He didn't really have the players for that. And I don't think his ideas ever really got across. I don't think the players ever really bought in to his strategy. Um, look, Real Madrid's a, a a very, very unique club um, for both players and coaches. It takes a special special character um, to survive um, there, um, let alone to have success. I think it was just the wrong job at the wrong time for him. I really, really do. I can see why he took the job. Look, Real Madrid come calling, then of course, you, your, your eyes light up. You think, you know, am I going to miss this train? If they come for me now, are they ever going to come for me again? So I can see why he took the job. I can see why Real Madrid went for him because Spain were progressing that well. He looked that exciting. They looked like they had their next young Spanish coach as well. Um, but it just it just didn't work out from from all sides. I think Real Madrid thought they were getting a, a better coach. I think Lopetegui probably thought he was ready for the job, and it just didn't work out in in any way at all.
1: How much do you think there was an impact from? Cristiano Ronaldo leaving that summer as well um obviously leaves a massive hole personality wise um in terms of the, the group he might have been perhaps um on a downward trajectory in his career maybe already at this stage but do you think that hindered him in some way just lost David there for a minute
0: Yeah, I definitely think it was. It was a big factor. Look, Lopetegui was kind of tasked with taking Real Madrid in a new direction, in a different direction. Um, and I just think the task was too big for him. And I think, you know, if you, if you looked um, to after that, they then turned to a series of, you know, veteran managers. That was the profile that they were perhaps looking for, who could guide the club in that sense. Um, that's why they've still got Ancelotti now and not one of the younger coaches on the market. Um, they've got somebody you know safe hat, set of hands a veteran lots of experience and it's just what works for them I think so yeah I just I, I don't think it was the, the the right opportunity for him and and, and funnily enough I'll, at, at that time I think it was right I think it would have been right to see through with Spain through that World Cup campaign judged everything after that and I think a job like a Valencia or a Sevilla or a Real would have been more apt for him in terms of his next step as a progress
1: and- I guess naturally he did end up ultimately taking on a job like that with Sevilla and 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 making a real success of it. I mean, when when you you kind of bunch those experiences together, a lot of it isn't necessarily um, the most um, successful period as a manager. Obviously, various caveats to that. Um I think he's clearly built himself a kind of re, rebuilt his reputation back at Sevilla. Um, but a lot of excitement around, as, as Wolves fans, uh, the appointment. How well do you expect him to do at Wolves, I guess? I know it's a, it's a very open question to you, mm. but based on those experiences.
0: Yeah. I honestly think um, he can definitely get them into European places, chasing European football again, Europa League level, I think about then. I think anything above that, I'd be very surprised at. um, If we're talking champions, getting them into the Champions League, I'd be really surprised. Again, a lot of it will depend on external factors, like um, who is buying players, what's the scouting like, what's the recruitment, what direction is that going in, how much input is Mendes going to continue to have at the club as well. So things like that will, will count for. But on the face of things, how I've seen Lopetegui throughout his career, and I've followed him since he first came through, Um, I would honestly say that you can turn things around at Wolves to get them into a like that Europa League sort of level, I think.
1: I mean, mean, you raise an interesting point again about the the Mendes factor and it's always going to be a conversation point uh, at Wolves as a club. But he has made an interesting uh, appointment, um, not necessarily uh, something that the club has led on this, but uh, Fran Garagarta, former IBA Sporting Director, um, can you tell us a little bit about the Ibar story, um, because it's it's probably not one that's uh, too well known uh, within English football and, and Wolves fa- uh, fan base specifically, but it's a pretty extraordinary one, isn't it?
0: It's quite remarkable the way that um, they'd rise through the, you know, it rose through the the rankings basically in Spanish football. A um, very small town, it's so like a population of under thirty thousand. Um, very organic growth. We're not talking about a rich owner coming in. Um, and suddenly putting money into the club and then rising through the ranks. Um, It was done organically on excellent squad building, excellent coaching. Um, And Fran Gargatha had a a big hand in that. And he had a big hand in not just helping them rise through the ranks, but actually becoming a, a serious La Liga club, surviving there, staying in the league for many years, Operating very much on the same strategy that had helped them build up and come up through the ranks. Um, you know, selling high, buying low, um, being very aware of loans and freeze in the market as well, contracts expiring and such. Veteran players were coming available, young players perhaps not uh, perhaps and let go from bigger clubs. Um, and they operated very much like that. And he, he became known as one of the most astute operators of the of the transfer market in, in, in Spain for for quite a long period
1: of time. Yeah, I think it's long been held uh, a view that ultimately George Mendes can only take you so far with his his network of of players and and management and mm-hmm. um, the operation at Wolves has very much lent on him uh, in, in order to get the club to this this stage. He's not actually officially been brought in as as a sporting director, it seems, but he's, he is due to work on recruitment um, and scouting alongside uh, Yulen's son, actually, Daniel Lopetegui, um, which is an interesting appointment as well. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we see uh, a bit of a step away. Personally, I uh, um, think we need to do that to kind of become a bit more of a, uh, a robust team in terms of recruitment. I agree,
0: yeah. I think you limit yourselves. Right? If, you're, if you're just operating via as, um network, you clearly limit yourself. And yes, you will get some fantastic players. You will get some absolute gems come through, but you'll also um, get some duds as well. But generally speaking, I think you've had some really nice players um, through via the Mendes link. It's just a case of getting them to work and getting fit. What Garagatha has been so impressive about when he was with at Ibar was identifying the right type of players for his manager and what suited that brand of football. Um, You know, if if his coach particularly lent on Wing backs, for instance then he was able to identify really impressive wing backs who could uh, deliver crosses and also play high up Marco Correa who's at Chelsea now of course was was one of the players that was identified by Gadagatha when he was in the Barcelona Youth Academy and was becoming available Um, he went and had a really impressive loan in there was eventually bought by Atafe and and now we see him you know 50-60 million pound player in in the Premier League um, playing at a really high level Um, so that's somebody that you know, Gareth looked at and said, "Like, look, this is a young player we can work with," and that just gives you a little bit of an insight into, into how he works and how he operates.
1: Do you think we can expect a bit more from the likes of Mateus Nunes and Gonzalo Guedes as well? Then,
0: yeah, ab- uh, yeah, absolutely. I think Nunes is uh, Nunes is a player I rate extremely, extremely highly. Um, I've said as much when uh, you guys bought him. I thought what a fantastic deal that was to 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 bring him in and. Um, I think he could be one of the players to really prosper from from this the most. Uh, from the most. Um, I don't think he's really played in his position of strength at Wolves so far. And I think that's been, I think that's really, really hindered him. Um, if you can let him off the leash a little bit and just let him roam a bit more, let him create a bit more play, um, let him really become the person who helps things tick over um, with Ruben Neves, then I think we can see Wolves progress in, in no time.
1: Talking of uh, potential new signings, um, there is the suggestion that there's money to spend on the January transfer window. A couple of names have already been linked in uh, Nacho and uh, Mariano Diaz as well, both uh, from Real Madrid. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about those two?
0: Yeah, uh, Nacho, um, veteran or older player, but extremely versatile. He's played across the entire back line throughout his career. brilliant he's just a hard worker a grafter incredible professional just the kind of player that everybody wants in their squad because they just know they get ultimate commitment from them um he's not spectacular but he is just a solid player Um do wonder if at this stage in his career the premier league's the best move for him i don't know about that one um mariano diaz again just one who came back to real madrid after just an incredible time at leon um, he's shooting techniques fantastic but for whatever reason he's just never got a correct a true run in the real madrid team and look when you've got karen mensmar and you know best striker in the world in front of you then it is going to be difficult to break in um chances have been very few and far between um and he's definitely somebody who needs a move and again could be somebody you know still worth working with i think and, and, and giving a try
1: yeah i think um we can definitely see a need for, for for goals at the club at the moment. Uh, it's It's been pretty pitiful uh, so far this season. But um, we'll we'll wrap it up there, David. I really appreciate your time. Can you just remind everybody where they can find your work? Yeah, sure. Um,
0: just follow me on Twitter, David Jagger, that's G-A-C-A, Um And I appear at ESPN and on the Football Ramble as well.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe, everybody. Um, and uh, we'll be back soon with more content, I'm sure. Cheers.